you were listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Episode 169. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I'm your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. All right. I just got done shooting the College Success Habits podcast, which is generally my go-to move. I shoot that one first as my quote-unquote warm-up for this one. And the entire time that I was shooting the episode, it was episode 142, and we're going to be talking a lot about the same stuff. Um, There have been deer outside my office window eating up all the corn that I put out there today. Um, Deer have been coming down, and they have been eating the bird seeds. So I was like, hmm, I would like to feed deer. And so I went to the feed store and got 50 pound bags for like 13 bucks. And they clearly are loving it because I have been watching these five deer eat up. Um, it's been pretty fantastic. And it's just, uh, just another amazing thing that I get to experience having left Los Angeles and moved here to Huntsville. And, you know, with now I've got the girlfriend here and we have this amazing house and we're really, you know, creating a beautiful life together. And I've got my brother and his family uh, coming over for dinner tonight. So I'm going to make this one a little bit more of a short episode because it's 520 and, and they should be coming over around six. And what we're going to discuss today is something that I noticed coming up a lot over the last week. Um, and again, I'm going to be watching deer this entire time. So I'm super focused because <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's some sort of universal, you know, force of energy amazingness happening in front of me. What we are going to discuss is um, this reaction point. We're going to discuss emotions and anger. And we're going to discuss emotionally reactive versus emotionally responsive frustrations. We're going to be really getting into some of this. And we've talked a lot about this stuff in the past. This is not the first time that you have heard me discuss emotions, but it's absolutely something that I think is imperative. We continue to touch upon because I have gotten some very interesting messages on my social media over the last, um, you know, couple days, just, just today alone, I got some really interesting messages as well as um, my behavior wasn't always uh, desirable. Um, and I'm also seeing a lot of stuff on television that could uh, activate some of us and can cue us off to want to be um, self-destructive or do something that would go against our sobriety and recovery. And so there's so many topics we're just going to dive right in. Unpause. I paused for a few moments. I had to drink some water. Water. Water's delicious. Should I be watering the deer too? Maybe I should give them some water. That's for Google to help me figure out. And right now I'm feeling pretty happy. I'm feeling very emotionally complete because I'm getting ready to have the family over and it's going to be super amazing and I'm just loving what's happening. Um, But not every day is great. Not every day is grand. And sometimes it is, it can be tough and it can be a bit of a battle. And so we're going to discuss what it is to be emotionally grounded versus emotionally responsive. Because I do unleash a bit of anger. I do have that anger monster inside of me. And a lot of the times it's when I feel like I'm not being heard, that my emotional needs are not being fulfilled. And because we know we cannot count on other people to fulfill our emotional needs, it has to come first from within. Other people can do their best. They can think about doing things. They they can try to help. But ultimately, it really comes down to what is it that you are cultivating? What is it you are curating in your life that's going to allow for your needs to be met? Because you can't just expect somebody else to 
know exactly what to do in order for you to feel loved or heard, seen, felt, whatever it might be. We know that it comes first from within. And for a lot of us, we have been muting ourselves for years because of various reasons, whether it's trauma from our childhood, um, whether it's because we don't think people will accept us for who we are, they won't embrace our true self. There's a myriad of reasons. For me in particular, I often found myself not speaking my voice and not letting my needs be heard because the people who were around me on a regular basis often got a very intoxicated version of me. And while I was pretty calm and level-headed and hardworking and had a, you know, had a very humorous demeanor, uh, nonviolent and all that, whenever I was sober, um, I wouldn't get violent when I got sober because I knew better because nobody wants to wake up missing teeth. Trust me, if any of you have ever gotten knocked out while you've been asleep or gotten in, or blacked out, I mean, or, you know, gotten into a fight and found yourself uh, behind bars or in a world of trouble because of that, certainly you understand the anger monster when you're inebriated can really put you in a bind. But I would be obnoxious. I, I would really, I would get even louder and, and, you know, I've always thought I was Mr. Funny, so I would tell even more jokes and I'd just get nuts. And before you know it, it was like, you know, I mean, I remember one night we pulled up all the street signs in our neighborhood and started charging through people's fences, just vandalism 101, very stupid behavior, you know, typical 22 year old stuff, you know, whenever you're hopped up on as much drugs and alcohol as I was, that's what I use the word typical. This is not typical behavior, but for me, it was very typical. Let's get, let's get smashed and let's see what kind of hellfire we can throw out there. Not very emotionally grounded, very emotionally reactive, very, you know, quick to snap at people if if they said something, just behavior that was unbecoming of me. And I look back at it now, and as much as that I could, I could choose to feel shame and guilt. And I've gone back and I've apologized to those that I can, but when you did things 20 years ago, I mean, it's like, okay, cool, thank you for apologizing. In some cases, people didn't even remember it. In other cases, they thought it was nice of me to apologize, but it didn't by any stretch of the imagination affect them as much as I thought it did, or at least had it affected me. Uh, In some cases, people didn't take my phone call at all because they didn't want to hear it. I know I'd burned that bridge. I'd torched it down. I'd, you know, gone through and slaughtered that village of of, of friendship, and there was no chance I was going to be able to make up for it and, and make amends. And that is whatever that is. And when you step into sobriety, there's going to be a part of you that has a lot of anger towards yourself, a lot of anger that you believe others deserve to have thrown at them, um, by you for things that you perceive them having had done to you. And I'm not in your head. I'm not in your life. So I'm not going to tell you whether to be angry and bitter or, or accepting and loving. I, I don't, I, I can tell you accepting and loving is going to be a lot more peaceful to your soul, but you have to come to that decision on your own. One of the things I do want to very much stress is that you choose to get angry. You choose to be triggered or cued or activated, whichever one of the three words you prefer. You choose those things. Today, uh, one of the listeners sent me a Facebook message about how his sobriety was being tested because of the Donald Trump hearings. And he had a very strong opinion about that. And he's like, this is going to make me use this. Why even bother being sober? That was the general messaging around that. I'm paraphrasing here. And my response back was like, you choose whether to allow this a moment, this event, 
to trigger you, to have you go off and drink. Nothing is holding a gun to your head, right? The, saying things like, this is affecting my, you know, is this for, is affecting my sobriety? Yes, it does. Um, you know, I, I blank this, um, this is horrible help. I, you know, and it's like, okay, I get, we are in a spot of bother right now as a country in general, there's a lot going on. I myself do not believe that we are divided. I believe that we are having a perception issue. We have a hard time understanding that other people can have a point of view and it can be just as valid because it's their point of view and ours can also be valid because it's our point of view. In the college show, I talked about how you think me staring out my window for 11-some years on Hollywood, seeing open drug use and tent city and defecation on the streets, do you think that that could have somehow um, skewed my viewpoint on life uh, versus me now looking outside my window and seeing deer and squirrel eat up corn? Which do you do? You, you know I'm going to have a different viewpoint on life if one if I've been staring out at deer for the last decade versus homelessness. If I have strong opinions about homelessness or, or substance use or, or animals or the forest or guns or social rights or whatever it might be, if I have strong opinions about these, they have been formed by my lived experiences, whether I was being observant of what was really happening around me or not, whether I was choosing to judge it, whether I was choosing to ignore it, whether I was choosing to embrace it and accept it or outright just kick it back into somebody else's face, those were all decisions I have been making. I have made with a varying degree of conscious awareness versus unconscious programming. So when you go to react versus respond, when you openly have this lack of self-awareness to think, well, this is happening on the TV, therefore this makes me angry, this makes me sad, this makes me think that the country is going to fall apart, I don't know how to handle these emotions, I'm going to go use you are taking away your opportunity to be in the seat of your own power, of your own self-awareness, to make a different decision. Whatever's happening on the TV is going to continue to happen. Whatever social justice issues the, the Supreme Court and politicians you know, decide to, to levy down upon us in the citizenry of the, of the country, let alone the world, whatever these leaders are doing, right, other than voting them out or trying to overthrow them or whatever, and that takes a tremendous amount of effort and it takes time. So in this amount of time from now when you're happy or unhappy about what's going on in the world versus um, what it is that you have the ability to actually um, figure out and do something about, do you want to be doing this high or intoxicated? Do you want to be in your frame of mind? Do you want to be in control of your behaviors and actions? Or do you just want to blankly release all of that power you could be embracing and allow somebody on a flat screen to dictate what you are going to do in the moment? Emotionally reactive people see something on TV and infuriates them and they just want to go into rage. They want to go into some, okay, maybe not all rage. Blanket, shouldn't have used that word. They go into some sort of, overpowering emotion that activates cues, triggers them to respond like they normally do versus someone who sees something on television and says, okay, well, that's what they're doing there, right? But what am I doing here? How can I behave right now emotionally grounded in the best way possible to make sure my life is going to continue going in the right direction? There are a lot of variables that can take us off of our path. 
do we really want to be the one who makes the, the, the conscious decision to go back into a using state, knowing full well that's not going to get us out of any of this mess. It's not going to solve any problems. It might mute it for a day or two or seven, but it's not going to bring us out of this darkness, this shadow, this madness, if that's what you see happening. Other people see this as light and glory and God's will, and that's their way of seeing it, and you have your way of seeing it. Both could be triggers and cues and activation points to go back and use, but it doesn't have to be that way. One of the things I experienced this last week at Recovery Dharma, one of the members was discussing, he he had the quote and he said it very well, and I did not Google it before, I just randomly decided to bring it up just now. But it was something he had learned somewhere, and it was basically like between stimulus and reaction is choice. A stimulus occurs, and that can be anything. Right? That could be seeing a squirrel outside. That could be somebody flipping you off. That could be the sun getting in your eyes. That could be a fish jumping up and grabbing an insect out of the air. It could, stimulus is anything. We've talked about this. When, in, we talk about this in the hub. It's what the first course is all about, how you create your reality. Your five senses bring you in information, touch, taste, sight, sound, smell, right? Every single second of your life, you're getting about 100, what is it, 2.3 million bits of data, and your conscious mind can only organize 126 of those. And having a conversation with somebody takes up 50 or 60 of those bits every single second, just alone. So when you forget that your sunglasses are on your head or that your keys are, you know, and uh, you know, are on the dining room table, it's not that you're an idiot. It just simply means that your brain's got seven other things on its mind. And the brain can only handle basically five to nine um, like like blocks of data at the same time. So if you're listening to music and having a conversation and you're holding your keys and your phone and somebody's texting you and you're trying to fill up your water bottle, these are all happening. No wonder, you know, somebody said something to you across the room and you didn't hear it. Your brain is just, it's too busy, right? It just, this is why uh, multitasking isn't a real thing. It's task switching. You're not really multitasking. Right, this that's not a real thing. It's been proven. Google it. I don't need to dive into that much further. And just, I'm just letting you know that you're task switching. You might be doing multiple tasks at the same time, but you're not multitasking. You're just switching from task to task to task to task. So I mean, let's face it. Some people can uh, rub their belly in a circular way and pat their head, but they don't look very, um, let's just say, like coordinated doing it. Now try to run. Uh, backwards while you're doing patting your head and rubbing your belly and it's gonna it's not again going to look graceful Uh, there's a capacity the human brain just has so when you are at this moment of stimulus to reaction slash response and that it's that moment of choice in the middle and it can be very uh, prone to um Difficulty may not be the best word, but it is the word I'm going to use. Maybe a little bit difficult at first because as people in active addiction, as people with substance use disorder, we have been prone to just react. It's what we do. I'm not saying your whole life. There are certainly times where you're emotionally grounded and you respond. But generally, when we are in the state of using, we are reactive. We are reacting to the things that are happening around us. So having this 
choice moment in the middle is not something that we're accustomed to. Certainly it wasn't for me. And still now, you know, the girlfriend or a friend or somebody can say something that's triggering and I just can go straight to reptilian brain, straight to reactive mode, straight to that zero to 10 age where it's like, I feel threatened if somebody doesn't agree with me or somebody wants to speak louder than me or whatever it might be. I can find, you know, next thing I know, like the rage, I can feel my, my, the blood rush to the surface of my skin. I can feel my ears get warmed. I can feel my throat tighten up and my eyes dilate or it's like fight or flight, right? I can feel that. For some of you, fight is the way to go. For some of it's flight. For others, it's just freeze. You just stand there and you're like, I don't even know what to do, so I'm going to do nothing. In the middle there is that choice moment. That's where fight, flight, or freeze tend to show up. It's like you're going to do one of those in between the stimulus and the fight, fight, or freeze. That's in the middle there that you have that choice. Now, if we go into this seeking to make a better habit out of responding rather than reacting, if we just try to jump right in, so the next time somebody cuts us off or the next time somebody in our house disagrees with us or eats the last cookie or breaks our favorite glass, whatever it might be, if some of these are, are seem big to you and it's like, man, I just don't know how to shut it down. I don't know how to stop myself from reacting. One of my favorite practices is just realize that there's little things throughout my day that create a frustration or an annoyance within me. And those are excellent opportunities for me to stop and step back and then make a different decision to choose differently in the moment. If you make, which is what a lot of people do, I'm not going to make a blanket statement, like a wide, broad statement that everybody does this, but a majority of people, when we want to um, lessen the anger monster's ability to overtake us in a moment, we seek to perform the calm, cool collectedness of ourselves in the moments that are really, really, really triggering. Ones that it's like, okay, it's that's going to take a little bit more muscle memory. It's going to take some practice. Instead, I recommend that we start to seek out the little ones, the little annoyances, the little frustrations, getting caught at the yellow light when you it's your fifth yellow light you've gotten caught at in a row and you're just trying to go up to the store. And you're like, ah, I've gotten every single freaking yellow light. This is the sixth time I've been stopped. And you get angry. Okay, that's a great moment to step back and say, okay, what is a different way I can be experiencing this? What is a positive I could take? Perhaps you could look over at your partner in the next seat or your child and ask them a really cool question. You know, if you had a choice between teleportation and mind reading, which would you take? Or, hey, you know, lately I've noticed that we, we've been having a lot of great times and we've been laughing a lot. And I'm just really curious as to what your experience of some of our interactions would be. It could be anything. It could be any question that breaks you out of the pattern, out of the trance you're in that causes you to want or choose, not even want, but you choose, and unconsciously this choice is really being made to get angry about the yellow lights. Like 90 some odd percent of our behaviors are programs. It's just habits. It's just patterns and sequences. This is where neuro-linguistic programming, you know, I talk about this a lot on the show. I went off and learned it, like starting at month three or four of my sobriety and recovery, and I got so into it because I was like, oh my goodness, this literally teaches me how my mind is creating my reality. It's showing me how to break myself out of these patterns and these habits and these sequences and to actually get rid of habits that are no longer serving me and recreate habits that will serve me uh, in its place, in the place of the quote-unquote bad habit. I can actually place good habits. And what's hilarious about this, and I've still noticed this to this day, that oftentimes 
the difference between a good and bad habit is a couple steps. It's a couple things. Right? The difference between handling my emotions well and handling not so well is that emotions are still going to happen. I'm still there's still the potential for me to get jealous or angry or full of shame or guilt, any of them. There's a there's like 500 different emotions out there. The potential to hit any one of those on a given day when we're having 50,000 thoughts and each one of those thoughts comes with it an emotion, right? Now all of a sudden, we're, that's a lot of that's a lot of thoughts. That's a lot of emotions. So the fact that you might feel shame and guilt and jealousy and happy and anger and sad and, and joy and excitement and you feel all of those in the same 10 minutes is very probable. Is nothing else? It's possible. So when you ask yourself, can I eliminate anger? No. You can't eliminate anger. You can reduce its long-term effectiveness on you. And when you choose to start coming up and reframing these little annoyances, these little frustrations, you get more and more practiced. And what, you know, maybe, you know, at first you get angry about something for two minutes. And then now the next time you're only angry about something for a minute and 55 seconds. And then the next time it's only a minute and 50. And you see where I'm going here. And now all of a sudden... You know, it might take you a day or a week or months to go from two minutes of anger. Now, all of a sudden, it's like you can get angry for five seconds and you're over it. And it might blow your mind. But it's the conscious decision to begin to shift your behavior that makes this possible. Consciously choosing something different between the stimulus and the reaction response. It's consciously choosing to make that difference. And you will be amazed when you consciously decide to do something, how quickly your unconscious mind will begin showing you ways to accomplish it. It's very similar to what I've been experiencing lately as I, as I begin to uh, learn more about jumping rope. So I've got uh, one TikTok I posted about it. I've got a whole bunch of others I'm going to start releasing. And it's like my TikTok has really just become this like this is what I do with my life now that I'm sober kind of compilation as I try to figure out the best way to share about what I talk about on both my shows and my book and everything else. I don't really know what to do with it. So I've just been posting random videos. Um, I love my A to Z of empowerment, and that's really fun to do. But um, I've, I've been jumping rope lately, too, because I came across a woman named Lauren Dot Jumps who uh, just fascinated me with what she was able to learn to do at the beginning of the pandemic. And now she's like professional at this and she, you know, gets, you know, endorsement deals and she has a pretty fantastic life. She's created her all around the idea that she just learned how to jump rope really, really freaking well. And I thought, okay, well, this is a motor habit. This is just muscle memory. I can figure that out because muscle memory is something that we're all picking up every single day. I was like, but there's also going to be some mental in here. It's going to be understanding the beat. It's going to be understanding uh, when to bounce and noticing the speed and the cadence of the jump rope and how my feet and the jump rope are interacting. So there's going to be some mentalness there. There's also going to be emotional component as well. It's also an emotional habit to not beat myself up whenever the rope gets caught on my feet five times in a row, to not get frustrated or angry because other people are out there, you know, doing backflips while they jump rope and I can barely jump up and down for 20 seconds without getting the the jump rope caught underneath my shoes. So I, I knew going into it that there was going to be a physical, emotional, and mental component. And I didn't really look too much at the spiritual component, the morals, ethics, and values, but certainly my values, my principles of discipline and taking action and being flexible and tenacious are certainly 
playing a huge role here because each and every day I pick up that jump rope for, you know, at least five minutes if I'm just squeezing it in. Some days it's for 15, 30 minutes, but I'm noticing after a short amount of time, like in all told, I've really only jump rope and I've been keeping track of it 12 days. I haven't even hit four hours yet um, in all, in those 12 days. And I, I set it down for like three weeks at one point because I just wasn't feeling inspired. And then I came across her videos and then boop, boop, now I'm back into it. But my point of telling you this whole story is that there was a physical, emotional, and mental and spiritual um, habit being formed. And there's some shifting of previous limiting beliefs about my ability to be physically coordinated or mentally strong around something like jumping rope. Learning to speak and write, those are things I've been inherently doing for 20-some years, but learning how to jump rope and doing the boxer step and bouncing on one foot and everything just seemed very difficult to me. And anytime I tried it in the past, it just wasn't something I naturally picked up on. But day after day after day, doing 15, 20 minutes here and there, I have noticed all of a sudden, like today, I was able to do the running man. I was able to do, I was able to actually run. I was, I was able to do the front back and then shift it to, to splits and all these things. And that's just been like the last five days of just giving a concerted 15, 20 minutes into it. And what's blowing my mind is that and one of the reasons I chose to do this, not just because Lauren inspired me, but two, is I wanted to be able to show you guys how you can actually pick up on new habits if you just decide to make it a focus. I don't think that what I'm doing is going to lead me to be like the world-class jump roper, but I also don't think that it couldn't. Like I could have become the jump roping life coach. I could one day do an entire podcast jumping rope. I don't know where it'll take me. It's just fun to learn to do. And I'm going to pick up the ukulele again in the fall uh, when it's a little colder and I can't go outside as easily. And, And I'm going to show you guys on TikTok and Reels how if you just put your mind to something in focus, you can pick up the ukulele, you could pick up the harmonica, you could pick up a jump rope. And if, and if you just put in some effort, you will learn it. Life will change for you. And then you can just take the, the, that, the practice of learning to jump rope or the ukulele and just apply it to other areas of your life. And for the purpose of this episode, you can apply it to learning the skill of being emotionally grounded where you used to be emotionally reactive. And just like the jump rope, it takes practice. It takes doing it. I have this whole thing about practice. You don't really practice anything. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. Well, I'm going to go practice throwing the ball. Well, I mean, you're still throwing the ball. I'm going to go practice jumping rope. Well, you're jumping rope. I mean, sure, I may not be Lauren I'm just any more than I would be Tom Brady or Peyton Manning if I picked up a football. Oh, let's go practice football. Well, you're also doing football. You are playing football. The whistle may not be there. There may not be scorers and referees, but you're still doing it. If you guys were to come over to my house and we were all, you know, get on a football field and start running around and passing the ball around, we're not practicing. We're playing football. We don't need a scoreboard and a crowd and referees and whistles and uniforms that match to prove that we're playing football. So I say all that because you are doing it or you're not doing it. So when you get emotionally triggered, when you get a little bit upset about something, that's an excellent opportunity to literally do the act of stepping back, taking a deep breath, being self-aware of what you just did and how that was emotionally reactive. And then in that moment saying, okay, I'm going to be emotionally grounded now. 
Now, that may not seem like monumental to you. So I'm going to wrap up on this because, and we're going to get into more about what I'm getting ready to talk about in a later episode, but I've got things to do. So I'm going to cut it off here in about five minutes. Um, when I am humbled by life, and I had a really amazing conversation with my therapist about this the other day. When I am humbled by life, when I'm not present and I do something incorrectly, I would beat myself up. I would be emotionally reactive and I'd start to tear at myself. Damn it, Jesse. It was so simple. Why'd you screw this up? How can you be a half-assed mogul? What the F is your problem? Pull your head out of your ass and pay attention. That's the way I would talk to myself in my head. I have come to realize those are not me. Those are not my words. Those are, those are my dad talking to me like he did when I was a child, whenever I didn't do something up to his level, up to his performance, whatever it might be. I don't want to do that to myself anymore. So my therapist and I had a really amazing conversation. And I was like, well, I need to have something. I have to have something to say to myself that will close the loop. I just did, you know, I just hammered the pegs into the wrong holes on on, on a coffee cart. And the, the shelf is, the one. some pegs are high, some pegs are low, so the shelf isn't flat. I feel like, what the hell was my problem? Why did I just do that incorrectly? My therapist points out to me that I'm not being present in my own life. And a lot of the times I'm off in my head, I'm daydreaming, I'm singing songs, I'm doing something besides being present in the now. So she said, what about in the future if you just simply say, wow, I am super humbled by life. I will, pre- I will be more present in the future or I will be more present starting now. Right? So she's like, right, what's happening, Jesse, is you're being humbled by the human experience. Right? You didn't do anything wrong. You're not stupid. You're not an idiot because you put the pegs in the wrong holes. You weren't being present. If you were being present, you wouldn't have put the pegs in the wrong holes. There was only three options. It wouldn't have been difficult for you to make sure to put the pegs in the right holes, but you were not present. You were in your head. You were off in la-la land. You were tranced out, and therefore you did it incorrectly. So all you were really having in that moment was a humbling of the human experience, that your mind can go off in its own little days instead of keeping you present in the activity at the moment. We all have done this at some point behind the wheel of a car, where it's like we're just in la-la land, and we get to our destination, and we're like, I have no idea if I turned left, if I turned right, did I stop? Did I run all the red lights? You know, did I run into people's cars? Did I drive into the freaking lawn and plow through somebody's house? Clearly I didn't because my car's in one piece and now here I am at Walmart. But we trance through life a lot. So what I'm having the experience of is previously was, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, why don't I pay attention? I'm such a freaking loser. And I go at myself like my dad used to. <clears throat> We're negating that behavior now. We're saying no more is that desirable. Moving forward, I will simply say to myself, wow, I am humbled by life. I will be more present. Wow, I am humbled by life. I will be more present. And you can change that to whatever you want. I am humbled by the human experience. That Oh, wow, that's humbling. I'm going to be more present now. Something to close the loop. Something to say to myself, to, to, to say, you know what, Jesse? It's okay you just did this. I, let's just be more present and let's go ahead and let's take care of this now, right? We have that ability. That is the choice. That is the difference between the stimulus and the response or the reaction. It's stopping yourself in the middle and choosing to say something differently to yourself. Because whatever comes out of your mouth started in your head. So if you lash out at yourself, if you lash out at other people, if you get angry at others around you, if you get angry at yourself and you verbalize that out loud, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're tearing yourself down, it's starting in your head. 
So moving forward, I'm going to start saying different things in my head. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend you do that too. Being emotionally grounded is, is it something that you do. It is absolutely, again, is this practice, is it doing? It's both. Stop, step back, take a deep breath, say to yourself something to the effect of, wow, that was humbling. I'm going to be more present now. Because it's in those moments when you start being more nice and kind to yourself, that will actually bleed out to other people. And when you see them do something that just shows you in that moment that they weren't being present, you won't feel the need to tear them down in your head or tear them down with actual words or with your physical gestures or anything else. You'll simply look at them and be like, I bet you that's humbling. Uh, You know, I totally know what it's like to not be present. Uh, Yeah, the other day I put these stupid pegs in the wrong hole. (laughs) I was off in my head, something I was like singing Pearl Jam or something. I don't know where I was, but I'll tell you what I wasn't. I wasn't present in the moment when I put those pegs in the coffee cart. And instead of tearing myself down in the future, wow, that's humbling. I'll be more present. If we can start doing this day by day, step by step, five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds here or there, one step at a time one motion at a time, one action at a time, one behavior shift every single day. And eventually, just like jumping rope, you'll look back 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later, and you won't even believe the growth that has occurred. Ask Miles, one of my tribal members. He started doing exercises one minute at a time. Six months later, he'd shed his pounds. He had released his weight. He had stepped into a, a higher sense of self, more of a leadership role at his business. He had, become the, he had become the epitome of the kind of leader he wanted to experience within himself. He started showing people how they could begin behaving differently in order to have things change in their lives. And before you knew it, he was the role model he sought to be and also the friend and the mentor and all of the above simply by doing something one minute every single day. And eventually hedonistic adaptation kicks in and you will want to add two minutes and three minutes and five minutes. And before you know it, six months later, you have achieved your goal and you did it step by step, day by day, sometimes second by second. We're not expecting us to rip down skyscrapers and rebuild lives in one day through one action. Just like one day at a time when it comes to our drinking and using, one day at a time is when it comes to uplifting and bettering your life. You make that choice 10,000 times a day. Now you can do it consciously. And when you catch yourself saying something, being something that you don't truly really want to be anymore, look at yourself in the mirror, close your eyes, or just think to yourself or say it out loud. Wow, that was humbling. I'm going to be more present starting now. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. I don't know what that sounds like to you guys. I hope it doesn't give you feedback through your car speakers or your earbuds. Guess what it's time for? Shout out to Sunshine and Glow On. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.